0: all right guys welcome back um we are continuing on in our look at the book of first peter a wonderful little letter here for us to study about our pilgrim journey together uh, towards that heavens heavenly city uh, that we are all journeying together on towards so let's turn over to first peter and we are starting chapter three So I'll give you a minute to go turn over there remember we were talking about how Jesus has freed us to submit to the authorities that he has put in our life each of us live under authorities none of us are exempt and um, that's true for everyone in this world so we need to think about the authorities that he has put in our lives all right so let's stand for the reading of God's word we're going to start there in verse 1 and read the first seven verses uh, in chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For This is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham, calling him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Word of the Lord. Amen. All right, so... As we dive into this text here, I imagine there are few things harder than living year after year with a spouse who does not share the most important or intimate thing about you. And what I mean and what I'm talking about is your relationship with God. Over the years, I've thought about this reality of countless marriages where one spouse is not a Christian, particularly when a husband isn't a believer and the wife is how difficult, how lonely, how tricky it must be to have to navigate those daily decisions, those daily ins and outs of marriage, and raising a family and unimportant hobby or interest that you may have. And yet the truth is, that many of our churches are filled with women exactly in this situation. Maybe you know someone in this situation. And this is not new today. Peter saw this problem in the first century church, and he addressed it in our passage. And I believe that he addressed it honestly, and yet with hope that only God can bring. So let's dive into this submission section, again, that Peter is unveiling for us as pilgrims on this journey towards heaven. And this morning, we're going to continue on with our main, uh, main point that we had last week, which was because of what Jesus has done for us, we have been graciously freed to serve God by submitting to those authorities that he has put in our life. And obviously today, we're talking about the marriage relationship, so husband and wife. So with that in mind, we just have two points today, and the first is that the wives are free to submit to their own husbands. Free to submit to their own husbands. Remember last week we talked about how all of us are under authority. God has put these authorities in our lives. He's put those authorities in our lives for our good, not to to push us down or to harm us or any of those kinds of things, but he's put these authorities in our lives for a good purpose. And yet, in our sinful flesh, what do we do? We try to buck against the authorities that God has put in our lives. And all of us are guilty of doing that at one point or another. And what happens? We suffer the consequences of bucking against the authorities that God has put in our lives. And to further complicate things, we live in a sinful world where it views the biblical roles of marriage as ancient history, or as irrelevant for our day and time, or maybe even incompatible with new cultural norms or values, the way they think things should go. And so we have a difficult uh, task ahead of us as far as understanding what the Bible has to say about these things and putting them into practice. And here we see Peter's words to these scattered Christians over 2,000 years ago are just as relevant for you and me in God's church today as it was back then. These are timeless words. That's somehow, that's when we describe the Bible as timeless. It's not confined to a certain period of time, it speaks to all generations, all peoples, all cultures. So with that in mind, we go back to verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Peter again follows the same pattern that he had in the other two categories of governing authorities and bosses in the workplace. Here the command is that wives are to submit themselves under the authority and leadership of their own husbands. Because why? That's God's gracious design going all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 before the fall. This is in no way a knock on women as somehow inferior uh, or incapable of leading or being too weak to shoulder the responsibilities of leadership. No, this is not that. I hope that through this passage you see that God again and again speaks to the value and dignity and worth of all women. And yet at the same time, he gives them that distinct role inside of marriage for their good and to be embraced joyfully inside of that marriage relationship. We also need to see here that this command is not given just generically, but speaks to a specific point and purpose in mind. We see that here in the second part of verse 1. Look there with me. It says, Why why submit? So that even if some do not obey the word, talking about husbands, they may be one without words by the conduct of their wives. See, just like the other two categories, Peter reminds us that there is a watching world. There is a watching world watching your every move and life, especially when you're enduring hardship or persecution or suffering. And God uses that. To draw people to himself. It's no different than the person who finds himself in the marriage relationship, possibly with an unbelieving husband, watching that wife live her life out before him. So how exactly is it that an unbelieving husband could be won to Christ by the actions of his believing wife? Well, Remember last time we said that our natural reaction when somebody hurts us is that we want to hurt them back, right? When they throw a dig at us, we want to throw a dig right back at them. We want to give them a taste of their own medicine. And does that not happen inside of marriage relationships as well? That temptation that my husband said something hurtful to me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to throw a zinger right back at them, but when we, by the grace of God, don't do what we want to do, and not repay evil for evil, it makes the other person stop in their tracks and ask the question, why? Why is my wife not throwing that zinger right back at me? So when a Christian wife, instead of getting angry or even with her unbelieving husband, when she shows respect, make him stop and ask that question, why is my wife doing that? Because my expectation as an unbelieving husband might be that she would just do the exact same thing back to me. And Peter goes on to give us another way that husbands may be won to Christ, and that is by the way the wife thinks and seeks true beauty. Verses 3 to 6 are not a random side discussion on beauty, but still a part of the larger argument how wives can submit to their husbands, and in doing so, have the husband be drawn to Christ, possibly in a saving way. Person ...of the heart, with an imperishable beauty, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God, in God's sight is very precious. Now, for those ladies who love fashion... Uh, Those ladies that love expressing their artistry in their clothing and their their hair and nails and etc. Let me relieve you from the beginning. God is not saying that this is all out bad and an all out ban on such things. But what I do think that he is trying to get at here, what Peter is trying to instruct us in, is the source of our beauty. What should be the main focus and expression of our beauty as women? I mean, sorry, women's beauty. That outward expression is fine and well as long as it comes from a good heart, a right heart, which flows from your identity in Christ. But think about this. If this life is all that there is, then the focus is going to be on external beauty, right? Right? for women who believe that this life is all that there is. They're not Christians. They're gonna focus in on this life because that's the best that it gets for them. And yet all women know that external beauty fades quickly, and yet what do they do? They spend millions and millions of dollars, hours upon hours trying to retain a youthful beauty that was only there for a moment and gone tomorrow. However, this is exactly the point that Peter is trying to make. That this is not all that there is. That this life is not all that there is. That we are travelers and pilgrims passing on to our true homeland. And so this affects the way that Christian wives are to think about beauty. If it is indeed, if you are indeed these pilgrims, these travelers it's going to make you live in light of that and reorient your understanding of beauty. Instead of a a fleeting or momentary beauty, wives, you are to seek an imperishable beauty on the inside that lasts, even when your body is wrinkling or sagging or aging. That's going back to how Peter uh, brings this time and time again in his letter to the imperishable versus the perishable, Right? One commentator says that, he says, Peter wants to free women from the obscene obsession of looking good. He's not trying to hold you back or to do something wrong. He's trying to free us, free you from the the obsession of looking good. So wives, where is your focus? Which type of beauty do you spend a majority of your time seeking, perishable or imperishable? Which type of beauty are you teaching your daughters to seek by your words and your actions? Remember, your daughters are watching you. So if you spend all your time trying to seek this perishable beauty, they are going to follow your example. Husbands, how are you helping to shape your son's view of true beauty? I remember reading this in one of the commentaries, and he he goes off on the husband saying, who are you trying to, to have your son think about in the future. How does he think about beauty? Does he think about it from a worldly perspective because the husband models a bad perspective? Or is it that imperishable beauty that he honors and lifts up for his wife and his kids? These are crucial questions for you and I to wrestle with if we are husbands and wives and have a family. This imperishable beauty is a precious thing in the sight of God the text says it is how the godly women of old sought to express their beauty like Sarah here we see in verse 6 but it is also again the way that some non-Christian husbands might be drawn to Christ Peter doesn't really tell us exactly how this might happen it could be in a negative sense that if a, a, a woman was too focused on her external beauty. She, she wasn't showing that subjection to her husband. In reality, she might have been showing subversion. Maybe sometimes women who are too obsessed with their external beauty are, are uh, focused on the flirtation with the world and with other guys that might deteriorate that relationship between husband and wife and not draw that husband to Christ. But on the positive side... As that unbelieving husband watches his Christian wife do something so different from the world, it's going to begin to get him to scratch his head and wonder why she is different. Who is this Christ that she serves? And maybe he wants to know that Christ that she knows. David Helm put it this way. This is a wonderful quote. Some men entering heaven, giving glory to God on the day of Christ's final visitation, will owe their very salvation to the honorable conduct and good deeds of a wife who determined to live out her days in a real, costly, faithful submission. I think that's a real hope for Christian wives out there, those that are living with an unbelieving husband. God can do something like this. He is able and he does do this. So wives, do not give up hope entrust yourself to God. Seek to live that godly, pure life that Peter speaks of here. Seek that imperishable beauty that will never fade. And continue to beg God to work in your husband's heart, even though he's an unbeliever. He is able. No one is too far gone on this side of heaven. But before moving on, To husbands, I do want to offer one word in regards to this topic of wives submitting to their husbands. Because we do live in a fallen and broken world, and people are sinners, and sometimes women are stuck in very hard and difficult relationships. Maybe even abusive relationships. Those that have maybe a verbal or physical or emotional abuse. And you may be in that boat listening to this sermon, and I don't want you to hear it in the wrong way. I came across a a lengthy quote, but I think it's very helpful that I want to read for you now. It's really about what Peter is not saying. Listen to this. It does not mean that if your husband asks you to abandon your faith in Christ, you should do so. It does not mean that if your husband asks you to sin, you should do so. Um, It does not mean that you must always agree with him and never present a differing view. It does not mean that if he is unfaithful to you, you're left with no biblical recourse. It also does not mean that if he abuses you physically or abandons you through incessant verbal humiliation, you must remain quiet in the home and accept the daily cruelty of the relationship at all costs. I think that's a helpful caveat or helpful clarification on this message, because not every wife is in the same situation. And again, different parts of Scripture speak to different situations. But I wanted to offer that there in case you find yourself there. But remember, whatever situation-wise you find yourselves in, Christ offers hope. He offers hope to you if you're married to an unbeliever. He understands every single situation. Trust him as you seek wisdom on how to best handle these difficult situations in your life. And remember that you are precious in God's sight, whether your husband believes that or not. But Peter does continue on to give some instruction to the husbands. Husbands are not left out here in this very important section. So as we turn to verse seven, we're gonna see that husbands are free to lead their wives through serving them. Look again at verse seven. Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So what does Peter do here? Now he's turning to the other side of the coin or the other side of the equation. Still talking about the submission theme, but from a different angle. Husbands are the one that God has placed in authority, just like the governing officials and the bosses. So here it's kind of giving the instruction to the one who is in authority. But again, as we remember, as we said in the beginning, even husbands are under the authorities that God has put in their life. God has put plenty of authorities in their life that they must submit to. However, husbands, we have the great privilege and the great responsibility of leading and loving our wives like Jesus. I think back to the uh, prep for worship that Pastor Santo read in Ephesians. And every time, almost every time I read that, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, I get convicted right to my heart because how does Jesus love the church? Husbands, we have such a great calling on our lives. But we see here that husbands are instructed to live with their wives in an understanding way, or literally it reads, according to knowledge. And um, some commentators here see a specific reference to the couple's uh, sexual union Others see it more holistically speaking to the way that husbands lead their wives according to the knowledge of the Bible and how the Bible speaks to us having to lead in the marriage relationship. But really, in either scenario, husbands are called to live with their wives and lead them, showing them the great honor that they deserve. Listen to this helpful quote. The honor or preciousness that a husband must bestow on his wife is not only the recognition of her place in God's ordinance of marriage. It is also the honor that is hers as one of God's precious and holy people. Husbands, we have to believe, we have to remember that our wives are precious in the sight of God and that they need to be precious in our sight as well. And it should show in our actions. It should show in the words that we use. Guys, we need to honor them and cherish them inside the house and outside of the house, in the bedroom, and then hanging out with the guys. We need to honor and cherish our wives before our kids who are always watching. Again, husbands, your kids are watching you, how you treat your wife, how you speak to your wife, how you serve your wife that is going to have countless effects on them in the future. Hopefully, Lord willing, for the good. I want to read one more quote here. I've got a lot of quotes just because it was one of those Sundays. You know, you've got, you got a lot of good ones that you want to share. But this one's from uh, Dr. John Gottman. Cherishing is a habit of the mind in which when you're separated during the course of your day, You maximize thoughts of your partner's positive qualities and minimize the negative ones. This active focusing on your partner's merits allows you to nurture gratefulness for what you have instead of resenting what you're missing. Many couples do not realize they are neglecting to cherish one another. This is something, husbands, that we must actively do. That with the power and strength that God gives us, we are to actively cherish our wives. We are to nurture that. We are to continue on in that daily. And like in the previous section and the instructions to wives, Peter gives us a few reasons for his commands. The reasons for husbands honoring their wives is first because they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Remember, I said that throughout this passage, God affirms that wives and husbands, even though they have different roles, they share equal value, dignity, and worth all because of Jesus. Jesus died for husbands just like Jesus died for wives. Jesus has freed them to embrace their gospel identity, their value and dignity and worth because they belong to God. We see here that we are fellow heirs with our wives. And an equal heir of an earthly kingdom shares all the rights and all the privileges, all the perks of being in the kingdom. And the same is true of you and me with our wives. We are joint heirs together. Men, do you see your wives in this way? Again, do your actions show that you see your wives in this way? Do you talk about your wife? Do you relate to your wife in this way that she is a joint heir of the grace of life? Peter gives us a second reason here, and this is one that we should listen very carefully to because it's a warning, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Sadly, husbands, we don't always cherish our wives or honor them like we should. We don't live according to the pattern of Jesus that servant leader that we see in the Bible. We are overly concerned with ourself, our wants, our needs, and we think that our wives sometimes are only there to serve us. This is not right. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent of this sin. If not, there's a clear warning and a consequence for you and me as husbands in regards to our prayer life. That open line of communication will suffer. One person put it this way, that if the husbands are not prepared to regard their wives in the correct way, then God will not be prepared to listen to them. God's not playing around here. God's serious. He's, he's talking to us as husbands. We need to take this seriously. Pray for God to grant you Humility to submit to him and his design for marriage. Pray with your wife that you both would embrace your God-given unique roles and your shared status as joint heirs in the kingdom of God so that your prayers may not be hindered. Well, this relationship between husband and wife is like no other on this earth. It is a, a, this relationship is a picture of that greater relationship between Christ and his church, which we saw in Ephesians in our prep for worship. But a marriage that is based off of God's design is always a work in progress. Anybody that's married can, can admit that and can speak to that. But we are on a pilgrim journey together, husbands, with our wives, And what a gracious thing it is to have such a traveling companion as a wife. And since it's such a great gift, there should be that growing sense of mutual love and respect and appreciation and cherishing of one another in our unique roles and status. But remember, even if you aren't in that ideal marriage, there is still hope for you. That's the main thrust of this passage. Peter is speaking to these, these wives who are married to unbelieving husbands. There's great hope for your marriage. The call here is to hold on, to stand firm. Remember, the main, one of the main thrusts of this book is to stand firm in the grace that God has given. And so wives, if you find yourself in this relationship, this difficult grinding relationship. Stand firm in the midst of your calling. Pray fervently for your spouse's salvation. Your godly character and and godly living may be the very thing that draws your husband to the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful privilege to, to be on that last day, to know that your husband is there because God used you in those faithful years, maybe even years of suffering, emotionally, physically, whatever it may be. But they are there because of you and your witness. Brothers and sisters, because of Christ's work on the cross, he has freed us to submit to the authorities that he has placed in our life. And he daily empowers us to submit to those authorities before a watching world. God is doing this thing, this great work inside of us And he is doing it before a watching world. Let's continue to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That he might continue to do his work in us, in our marriages, in our workplace, and with governing authorities. So that others may come to know and treasure Jesus. That is the great call of pilgrims passing through on their heavenwardly journey. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, that your word, it speaks uh, so clearly to situations, real life situations that we face in our life. And Lord, um, I know women, I've known women in the past that are in this situation of being married to an unbeliever, Uh, Lord, one that I think of and pray for often, Uh, Lord, that uh, he hasn't come to accept Christ. I pray now for his salvation. I pray for her to continue on fighting the good fight, Lord, knowing that she is a joint heir of you, precious in your sight, loved by you. God, any women in this situation, we pray that you would protect them from, may may it be verbal or physical, emotional abuse, but Lord, also that you would use them inside of these relationships. God, you take broken things and make them beautiful. That's the work that you do. And so we pray that you would do that inside of broken marriages, not only in our church, but Lord, across this world. Would you bring that hope that you can do anything, that nothing is impossible for you. And Lord, for those uh, that find ourselves as husbands inside of a, a relationship with a, with a Christian wife, we pray that you would please help us to continue to embrace our role as a servant leader, that we would cherish and honor our wives, wives both in our actions and in our words. Lord, that we would raise our children up thinking that way, seeing that before them, setting that example. Lord, we pray for the strengthening of the marriages in our church, New City Fellowship, that you would continue to strengthen and to continue to work on the marriages that we have. Lord, that uh, you would not let anything tear these marriages apart. But God, that you would help us to take seriously this great relationship of husband and wife, and that we would be committed to working on that relationship as we see it in your word. God, would you continue to grant the grace to keep our eyes on you, um, the author and perfecter of our faith? And we pray this for our good, for our joy, and for your glory. And praise in your name. Amen. Amen.